This week on Writers Inc. I think new angles, uh, new tips and techniques that work, and also with the technology, uh, you have to be on top of the technology in publishing. Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out. School's in session. This is Writer's In. JD, what's up, man? Hey, I'm doing good. How about you? I was doing fine until uh, we had some internet troll just crashed our, our uh, recording feed here. <laughs> you didn't, the virus software didn't, didn't screen them out? Didn't, it didn't stop them. I don't know. This, this, the ZB guy is here. What's up, man? What's going on? <laughs> this is off to a great start. I can't wait for this. <laughs> Let the lynching begin. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna team up on you. We get we get to haze you for until we get a new guy. So you're the new guy now. Wait, this is me and you have been partners way longer than you and JD have. Just because this is y'all's show, that's something's still wrong here. Oh well, for listeners who might be wondering what's going on or, or are not tuning into the career author, we have uh, Zach Bohannon with us today. He is. Uh, going to be joining the Writers Inc. podcast for a uh, topic-based episode every month, and we thought uh, we'd bring him on and just introduce him to everyone today in case case they don't know. So uh, welcome, man. It's great to have you here. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to have you. I, I listen to you guys all the time, and I'm, I'm constantly yelling at my phone trying to interject myself into the conversation, and my, my wife was kind enough to point out that you guys can't actually hear me when I do that. <laughs> um, so we had to seek an alternative route, and this seems to be it. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. I definitely – this was your idea. So, you know, and I, and so I, I guess that's where it came from. You just want to actually be able to yell at us when we were wrong. So it, It's so much more fun when uh, oh, I, I can actually hear you. Yeah, for sure. Well, J.D., we have to get to the really important stuff first. Um, is, is your concrete poured? Is your, are your steps <laughs> in place? I actually have in my hand a permit for our porch. Um, <laughs> the, the building inspector dropped it off about three minutes ago. Um, we, we had a little town hall meeting um, to, to build the porch. You know, they, they had to weigh in on you know, what they call variances. You know, we're basically so many feet from this property line and so many feet from here and, and that kind of thing. And my, my wonderful neighbor, she didn't show up herself, but she sent her, her surrogate attorney um, who basically objected just for the sake of objecting, um, which was nice. But, you know, like when, when the, the, the attorney for the opposition is basically saying, well, I actually like the porch and it's a beautiful design um, and does, has no real objections. It kind of, yeah. So her, her case kind of fell apart. They had a four for one vote. Um, so got permit in my hand and I just emailed the, the contractor and told him to get his butt over here and start building right away before somebody changes their mind. <laughs> so when are you going to have her over for tea? <laughs> I think we're going to have the tea on the porch and just make nasty faces at her because she's, she's literally right there. <laughs> It's it's uh, been it's been one of those weeks. Like remember how I told you I would never join the board of anything? 
Yeah, so tell us about that, man. Yeah, so <laughs> it's official now. I am on the board of ITW, International Thriller Writers. Um, I, my title, I think, is VP of Special Projects, um, which is very hush-hush, top secret. I, I don't even know what I'm doing, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, they reached out. They've Obviously, they went through a lot of restructuring after some problems. Um, yeah, but, the, yeah, it's a great organization that, yeah, I wouldn't be where I am today without the people there. They've, they've you know, bent over to, to help me out every chance that they could. And, you know, it, when they asked for, for me to help out a little bit, I, I couldn't say no. Um, so hopefully there's there's no board meetings and no porch building and no permits involved, but I, I am all in. Congrats, man. I know you're, you, you're, man. you're being a, a little tongue-in-cheek about it, but uh, yeah. they got a great guy for the position. You're, uh, you get stuff done, man, and, uh, and I think people recognize that, and it's great for the organization, and I know um, you and Kim work well together, and uh, really looking forward to seeing what, what, what happens next in the ITW. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I'll send you a copy of the restraining order when, when they finally make up their... <laughs> send it over <laughs> what else is going on in your world um still holding on to the new york times list i think we're at number 11 this week so that's four weeks in a row that's nice. um I, I i wasn't expecting it to hang in there but it actually bounced back a little bit um this week the sales actually increased over the the previous week which is kind of neat so i think that that's probably coming from word of mouth because i'm pretty sure unless something changed they were only uh continuing the ad campaign for the first two weeks after publication um mm -hmm. so we're we're two weeks beyond that already so uh, hope, I'm hoping it's word of mouth that's carrying it along, but the book's doing pretty well. What's the what's the latest from Jim? Like, what's what are his thoughts on it? Is I'm actually expecting a, a call from him any second because we've, we've got something else that we're hashing out. And anytime I send him something, I usually get the the phone call. Um, so my my phone could ring while we're while we're talking. Um, but he yeah he's very happy with it. I mean he he's ha had so many at this point. I mean you interviewed him and I, you probably went to the Wikipedia page to try and figure out how many you know like New York Times bestsellers and even how many number ones. Like I I don't even know the, the numbers anymore. I think it's like fifty number ones or yeah, something. it's something ridiculous. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's so stupid. Like I mean he, he told me when he called when the when the book hit the list. Um, he's like I don't I don't even normally watch the list anymore, but I I knew you would be excited about this. So I wanted to give you a call. Um, so I don't think he really, you know, he's, he's, he's just, it's the normal thing for him. It just, it's an everyday occurrence. So I guess I, I can't wait till I get to that point, I guess, <laughs> you know, when, when it doesn't make the little butterflies in my stomach start jumping around anymore. Yeah. When you don't even look at the list. No, I mean, but, but there's, there's a lot of cool things happening behind the scenes. I mean, like literally every cover that I've got for every book is, is like, they started that process right away to try and get that on there. Um, I've been working on trying to create some type of like a trademark brand version of my name, like something that, you know, stands out that I can slap on the cover of everyone just to give them some kind of uniform look. Um, so, and, and that's going to be a tricky thing because, you know, obviously it's, it's no problem on my indie published titles. Um, but then trying to get a traditional publisher to go with, you know, whatever you want to put on the cover is, is difficult. So, so we'll see how they react. And then once I conquer the, the ones here in the U.S., we've got all these other countries that have to kind of be on board with it. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm, I'm going to try and create some kind of uniform brand across all of them. Um, I'm, fingers crossed that it actually works. Yeah, Zach, you'll like this. Uh, JD is uh, talking to your boy Johnny about doing some type of, some type of stylized version of his name for, for the Oh, covers. that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So, so Johnny did all your Empty Bodies books, right? He did, yeah, yeah. Johnny's actually—I uh, don't know if you know this, JD. We've known each other since we were nine years old. So, really? Yeah. So um, we've we've known each other for a really long time, a really really long time. So he's—he's uh, he's literally my oldest friend. I still talk to, and uh, he does really really good work. So. 
Wow, he didn't mention you at all. You weren't even listed on his references. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Yeah, he sent me copies of your, your covers at the beginning of all this. I, I'm honestly terrible at, at judging covers and, me too. and graphical stuff. Like Even like on the house renovation, like I can't pick paint colors. I couldn't tell you what looks good where. So I, I've got a, a sample group that I send all these to, and then I just get their feedback. Um, so right now they're, they're getting all these covers, not just from him, but I've got four other designers that are all you know, kind of throwing in ideas um, and they're looking at them and, and they've got one single question in front of them. If you were to walk into a bookstore, um, you know, which of these looks the most like a, a trademark brand name for an author that you would pick up? Um, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember what I really wrote, uh, but it, it's something along those lines, um, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of picturing, you know, you've got a rack of books, you know, at, at the grocery store or wherever it is with, with 10 of my titles, you know, they, they should all kind of look the same. And I really want to have, you know, my name to be a, a trademarkable type deal. Um, so you know me, somebody tells me I'm number two on the New York times bestseller list. Like I figured out how to get to number one. So there's me working <laughs> on it. Uh, have you, um, in just a general sense, can you, can you tell us what you've seen on your own sort of backlist since, uh, yeah, since hitting the list? Yeah, I've been trying, I, I really wanted to be able to watch that a lot closer than I can, but like, you know, six wicked child, which is the third in the four MK series, um, that was indie published in the U S and UK and Canada. Um, problem is Amazon um, picked it up for one of their special Kindle deals for like the entire month of October. <laughs> um, so like I, you know, that's actually going on right now. So I pulled all my advertising from from those books, um, and it's doing really well. I, I think it was at uh, anywhere from like seven thousand to ten thousand or so in the Kindle store. Um, and that's without any advertising on my side, but they're obviously doing something. Um, you know, fourth monkey has always done well. Like it bounces around anywhere from like 300 to like 10,000 in the Kindle store at any given moment, um, whether I'm advertising or not. So it, it, like my titles are very difficult to, to see. Um, and then I've got Dracul out there, but Putnam because of Halloween is, is running, you know, something. Oh. Um, so that, you know, that's honestly, it's one of the reasons why I like, you know, keeping one foot in each camp because, you know, I, I can obviously do a lot of these things on my own as an indie, um, but when I'm busier, I, you know, I, I don't have to do all of it. I don't have to do all the heavy lifting. I've got all these other players that are out there that are also trying to market at least some of my books. And, and I'm sure there's people that are picking up, you know, one of them and then they're, they're going over to the next one. I, I see it when I read the reviews, you know, I, oh, I, I read this book and I'm going out and get his others and, and that kind of thing. So I, I know it happens, uh, but it's real difficult for me to try and figure out a metric to measure any of that. Well, what's yeah. funny, what's funny too, is you didn't even mention that, you also had a book bub I saw <laughs> on she has yeah. a broken a broken thing where her heart should be like right around the same time so like you have all kinds of promo coming in from all over the place so yeah I, I literally I'm trying to create some kind of checklist for that because you know, right now it's all it's all in my head um, which is obviously not the way to, <laughs> to organize these things yeah. you know like when bookbub denies a, a particular title um, you know you have to wait I think it's 30 days before you can resubmit and you have to wait six months you know after they run a deal before you can run another one like right now I'm, I'm just remembering those those oh, dates. Goodness. Um, yeah. so, I keep an yeah. Excel sheet yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean I, I need to do that like I, yeah. I you know that's that's a smart way to do it and, you know, like when you've got four or five titles, it's it's not too crazy, at least for me to manage. But, um, you know, if, if I try to scale this up, I obviously can't keep doing that. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to miss anything, too, because if, you know, something is eligible for a book bub, you know, like I, I and they tell me I have to wait 30 days. I don't want to forget and, you know, and like wait three or four months before I go and hit them up again. I, I want to stay on top of them. Um, are, are you running book bubs right now? Yeah, I mean, I I submit. I just got declined for one. I need. I'm, I'm actually. I need to submit another book. Um, I usually try to submit a couple different books at a time. Like if I get declined for one, I'll submit another one. 
Um, and then I just, yeah, I just set reminders. Like I just set reminders in my calendar for the 30 days or whatever. So I can, uh, res- resubmit that book. I haven't had one in a few months. Um, we need to submit some of our books. Jay, I was going to say, we haven't submitted a code. Yeah. I, I need to go in and do that. But, uh, but yeah, so we're, yeah, we definitely try to run them as often as possible and then do, you know, big and, ca- and then try to do big ad campaigns around them and go to some of the other smaller, uh, pr- promo sites too. But, uh, but yeah, now, you've been doing that for a while, right? At least yeah. a couple of years. Like, are you still seeing the same level of effectiveness that you, you did at the beginning or is it? No. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, def- definitely not. Um, and the book I've had run the most was Empty Bodies. And that was a free book for a long time, like a perma-free book. I've, it's yeah. actually back in KU now. Um, and uh, But I would do it every few months as I could get one. and then But I would see sale through on the whole series. But I definitely was seeing diminishing returns the more I did it. Because I think that book has had like three or four featured deals or something. Um, and definitely have seen diminishing returns every single time. So. I just have to wonder if, you know, they're not able to refresh that list yeah. uh, at the same rate that they're, you know, sending out uh, notices. Because I, I remember, like, I, I think I got my first BookBub in, I don't know, 2015 or 2016. It was, like, you know, right around when it when it first launched and, like, three, four times as many sales then yeah. than now. But the, that's yeah. why I'm asking because I'm kind of seeing the same thing. Like, the very first BookBub I ever did was for Forsaken. Um, shortly after it came out and it literally went to the top of the Kindle store, um, you know, and, and not just in the U S like in multiple countries. And I think I, I sold something ridiculous, like almost 5,000 copies, you know, within a few hours. Yeah. And you could see that too. And and I know they changed their metrics. Like, you know, the, you you can sell a couple thousand copies now and your ranking doesn't change quite as fast as it used to. And, and little things like that. Um, I, I still make all my money back for sure. I mean, it's still a profitable endeavor, but it seems to be a a diminishing endeavor, and I don't know if that's because BookBub is, is losing a little bit of its luster and, and or people are moving on to other things or you know maybe a lot of these people that were just buying book after book after book and looked at their Kindle and realized, hey, I've got a thousand titles on here. I should probably yeah. start reading some of them too. I think that's happening a lot. Yeah, it's, it's definitely still been worth it for me because especially with that series, that's a seven book series. So like I I get sales through the whole series for like a few months after I get that book bub. So it's definitely still been worth it for me. And I end up making a good bit more money back than I put into it. But like, I've still like seen like what you guys talking about, definitely seen diminished returns and seeing those numbers. Like you just, you don't move as many copies as you used to. So yeah, no, not at all. Um, and that's another thing that's kind of unique about uh, all of us being together, like, because you've got a series where you can actually do that. The closest thing I have is my 4MK series where yeah. the first two books are traditional and the last one is indie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't have control over, you know, like I can't put fourth monkey into a, a book, bub. um, I, uh, the way it's played out. I mean, luckily HMH, I'm Houghton Mifflin and Harcourt. They're the publisher on that one. They're very open to that kind of thing. So if I request a book, bub and they approve me, uh, they'll go to their, the people on their side and try and get it approved, but it's not even up to my editor. She basically has to appeal to the marketing department and the marketing department has to agree, um, which is, is very tricky. So I've had to have a lot, a lot of um, conversations with BookBub, you know, kind of like off the record stuff because I need to know, well, if you are going to approve me for a date, I need to know what it is, but like, I, I don't want to lock in their system and then, you know, have to back out, you know, because the publisher isn't able to agree. So I have to get all these players to all agree to it at the same time. Um, they are seeing like HMH does see the, the benefits of it though. Um, even when I run one on, on six wicked child, um, you know, like right now or like the, the Amazon deal that's going on, like we're, you know, that's probably playing a part in some of the sales on some of the other books in, in that series too. So they're, they're willing to play ball where they can. It's just, they, they can't move quite as fast as I can do all by myself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So it's going to be great having, uh, 
having these kind of conversations on a more regular basis and kind of kind of getting into the weeds on some of these strategies and, and having Zach's perspective. So, so hey, man, like, welcome to the show. Uh, you know, looking forward to uh, doing a full topic-based episode uh, next month in November 2020, if you're listening in real time. And, yeah, it's great to have you over here. Yeah, I definitely appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, as, as you said, we talked about this a lot more in the career author, exactly what happened and stuff, but it's been a – I think it's going to be a really good transition. And, you know, the three of us have, um, you know, of course we had JD on the career author and, uh, and the three of us have had some really good private conversations and zoom calls and, um, have really good chemistry together and stuff. And I think that, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun moving forward and, uh, you know, ha- having some of these really good conversations that you and I have already been having and you two have already been having, but bringing the three of us together and really, funneling our energy into this one show, I think is really going to be beneficial, not just for us, but hopefully more than that for the audience. So awesome. I hope so. Welcome aboard, man. It's good to have you. Yeah. Cool, man. So we'll see you back here next month. And uh, JD, you and I, I guess, got an interview coming up. Who, Who do we got today? We've got Kiefer Brown. Uh, she runs a Chanticleer in the Chanticleer's Writers Conference out in, in Seattle. Um, I actually met her, I believe, the first time at the Writers Digest Conference up in New York. I think they were there um, with with a booth, and I and I talked to her quite a bit. And then she interviewed me for uh, Chanticleer. Actually, has a magazine, so she interviewed me for that. Uh, and then I ended up keynoting their conference out there. Um, I guess it was either last year or the year before. Um, a, a incredibly beautiful location. I mean, right right on the water, um, right outside of Seattle. Um, and some some great people there. That's right. I met a, a film producer there that I'm I'm really good friends with now, and we're we're talking about a couple different projects. Um, a lot of authors that I never got to meet before. Um, it was a, a great chance to to see that part of the country again. Um, but Chanticleer in general, it's a review service. It's um, you know along the lines of like a Kirkus review. Um, yeah, they can either you know review your book on on their own, or I believe they've got a pay service if you want to go that route. Um, totally up to you, but you know, as an author, sometimes it helps to have you know a couple of these these bigger hit you know name hitters uh, review your books. So you've got something to put on the jacket and on your Amazon copy. Um, so yeah, Kiefer Brown. So I thought a good place to start would be for you to tell us a little bit about your company. And I, I have to admit, I haven't heard it pronounced. Is it Chanticleer Reviews? Chanticleer. Ah, nice. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, Chanticleer, I'll just say, he is from uh, Jeffrey Chaucer's Tales. Oh, yes. Yes, and he is the rooster who could always predict uh, the exact time of dawn of the new day. So we started Chanticleer basically right when uh, digital books got started. And I just thought that would be pretty apropos. So uh, he's he served us well, and he sings loud and clear, which is what self-published authors and authors need to do so. Excellent. And what uh, what was the the spark that, that gave you this idea? Uh, I'm assuming this was 2012 or so. This uh, 2010. 2010. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been at this pretty much a decade now. Yeah. Um, it was a scary time to do this because we started um, playing around with it in 2009. And I'll be honest, I I went back to university. Um, because I had a book in my head and I knew, well, I have about three books in my head and I knew I didn't know quite enough to really do it. And at that time, only about, you know, the gatekeepers were really strong, as you know, and they only allowed about 250,000 books in to the, uh, into the publishing uh, area kingdom 
you might want to call it, a year in the English language. So I went back to university to learn about this publishing stuff and what was going on and what was happening and how do you do it and just everything. So I, I got a secondary degree in that. Um, but the last quarter, we had these, I swear they look like kids, uh, these experts coming up from uh, Google. And they were telling us all about these new digital books that were coming out. And uh, they, uh, how it's going to change everything. It's going to rework the entire publishing industry and all of this. And since I really didn't have any preconceived ideas about it, and my husband is a, a techie, um, he went through all the uh, dot-com um, thing that was going on in the 90s. It's like, well, yeah, well, why not? So anyway, we discussed it over some wine and, <laughs> and like, well, yay, let's check this out. And, and this might just be something we can, you know, it's all about timing and riding the wave, which we've been doing since that, that very spring quarter with this kid that's probably making, I don't, God knows how much money now. Uh, with his Birkenstocks and a uh, baseball cap on. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's been how it started. And it's been a blast. It's been a wild ride. And I don't think it's anywhere over yet. Now, that this is interesting. You're in Washington State and you were hearing this from Google as opposed to Amazon? Uh, yes. Well, wow. they have a Google office there too. You know, Google's okay. everywhere. Right. So, yeah, Washington uh, State, so we've got Amazon is right in our back door. In fact, at our conference this year, we have Paul Kutzinger, who heads up the Alexa project, that little project you know about. Yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> that, that one, yeah, you might have heard of that one. And he's going to uh, keynote at our conference this year about voice-driven everything. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and then how that affects the publishing industry, which which it is affecting it, right? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, tell me the the journey to this conference. Um, how do you go from you know starting the, this company to service independent and, and self published authors to running an in real life uh, workshop conference? Uh, it came about very organically. I really did not want to do a conference. I'm not, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this and have a conference. Uh, we have our reviews and we also started because at that point there, uh, remember, this is 2010. Uh, there wasn't any independent book contest or book awards programs for indie authors. Um, or really even small indie publishers. Uh, everything was still pretty much ran by the, you know, the big five at that point, which are now the big four. Yes. Um, <laughs> and probably going to become the big three without too much ado. Um, so we started having these book awards because if you're with, um, if you wrote science fiction, you could only be a traditionally published author to submit to the sci-fi awards. Same with Mystery Writers of America. Same with, uh, uh, the, I believe, just about any of them. You, right. know, you, you had to be um, published traditionally by a certain list of publishers 
and you know it was just very much still the gatekeepers. Yeah, you, you couldn't even get into a lot of those organizations if you were self-published. I, I, I joined the Horror oh, Writers Association. You would be banned. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I joined the HWA the, the, the year they opened it up to indies, and that was only about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True, and, and, that, and, and each one of those organizations, if you knew anyone on the inside – Ooh, the, there was quite the uh, rose going on with uh, between people who wanted to allow indies and thought it was high time, and those that said no, we must maintain the royalty. You know, right, so, right, yeah. Um, so anyway, we started doing that, and so then of course we had to award the winners, and we started out. The first one was like a little cocktail party, and. Uh, and uh, well, I think the first one I was able to do it at like I think it was Pacific Northwestern Writers Association. They're a wonderful organization out here. Uh, been around about 70 years. Um, so I got to do a little something there and present our winners. And then the next year we had a cocktail party. And then the next year it was like, well, it's time for the you know for the dinner. We gotta jazz it up a little bit. And um, I'm glad you have the editing software that will get rid of all of my handups. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, I'm that kind of editing software. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should. We have uh, Hindenburg is also one of our affiliates, but uh, they they have this great editing software for podcasts uh, that takes out all of all of that. And I certainly need it. That's for sure. Um, where was I? Oh, oh, so the winners were emailing me saying like, well, okay, we can write the book. Can you tell us how to sell the book? And I'm from a marketing background and I'm like, well, yeah, I can sell and I can show you how to sell, you know, it's just certain things you do and, uh, and I can help with marketing. And I was like, yeah, we'll do a couple of classes before the, before the awards banquet and ceremony. And they're like, uh, no, we want to come in on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, these were people telling me, like, you are going to have sessions. You are going to have conference. We're coming in. Yeah. So it came about like that. It was, um, uh, it, it wasn't for me. It was from, we, they call themselves uh, the Chanticleerian family. And uh, they demanded it and they got it. So, yeah. Uh, and here we are. Well, and you've done a fair good of, of uh, speaking and presenting as well. Yes, uh, presented at um, uh, Writer's Digest at RWA National back when RWA um, existed. Yes. <laughs> That's something going on there. Uh, yeah, um, it's very interesting. Everybody thinks publishing, you know, you talk to, I talk to my friends who aren't in this game like you and I are and you know they kind of like oh you know kind of like being an accountant like how boring is that but they have no idea all how, how exciting it is and all the intrigue that goes on <laughs> so <laughs> yeah um and oh where else at PNWA at uh let's see we were at London Book Fair last year so yeah we like, we get around <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. how I met JD was in New York okay Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, and I know that uh, many authors, whether they're indies or traditionally published, uh, have opportunities or look to do speaking. So in, in your opinion, as someone who has a lot of experience with this, what's it take to be a good speaker or presenter these days? 
I think with just about anything, it's, it's, you have to have information that people want to hear uh, that they need. Sometimes they don't know they need to hear it. Um, you know, it's like the, the, uh, you know, nobody thought you needed a car when a horse and buggy did just fine. Um, that sort of thing. So I think new angles, uh, new tips and techniques that work. And also with the technology, uh, you have to be on top of the technology in publishing. It is probably one of the higher tech, under the hood tech stuff is always just, just uh, propelling it along. And it's changing daily. You can hardly stay up to date with it, but it makes a huge difference. And all that, you know, you go back to Amazon, you know, the elephant in the, in the room. So, yeah, uh, and if you're not staying on top of the changes that they're making, you end up getting left behind. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. Well, speaking of technology, can you tell us a little bit about Onward Talks? Ah, so that is something that we're working on and trying to continue with. But did you have a chance to watch any of those videos? I, I have them on my list, but as a recording, I haven't watched them yet. Uh, well, what we're doing is we're talking with, and we have a great one on JD, by the way. We haven't published it yet. Uh, JD Barker, I should say. Yeah. Uh, which is just excellent. And, you know, he's, I always say, you know, like, why he did it and how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and he also uh, graced the cover of our magazine, our last issue of our magazine. Yeah. Excellent. What, uh, what's the, um, how do you, oh, you I remember, I remember you were asking me how, what that is about. It's basically about how these successful authors are sharing their angle, their slant, their thoughts about, or, and, and not just authors, but creators. Um, you know, Scott Steindorf, whom I think you said you're getting ready to interview. Uh, we have um, numbers of videos with him talking about the real truth, the brutal truth about the entertainment business and how it really works. And um, yeah, just people sharing, um, are these, these wonderful people sharing uh, their experiences and their knowledge with, with uh, emerging creators. Right. And are you turning this into a podcast as well? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, we are. Okay. Yes, we are. Good, because I, I'm a, I'm not a native YouTuber, and I, I get most of my information via audio as opposed to video. So I'll be looking forward to that as a podcast. Well, thank you. I think that, uh, uh, yeah, podcasts. Once again, it goes with uh, you know, this whole voice-driven content, and you you can be busy doing something else, as you are well aware, and 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 also learning and. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to find the right word. Uh, not, not just learning, but being exposed. Um, and uh, oh, it's gone. I can't think of the word. It'll <laughs> pop up here in a minute. More coffee is needed. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, is coffee uh, part of your daily routine? I'm kind of curious as to, uh, you know, do you have a daily routine and if so, what is it, or is every day kind of different for you? It changes all the time, but uh, as you know, in this industry, it's uh, never enough time. 
Yeah, that's get the everything truth. done. Yep. So I ran off from coffee and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then the other uh, uh, thing that I was going to say too is that with Chanticleer, like I said, we have the reviews, we have the contests that came along. Now we have the conference. We're having people who want more and more more information instead of just at the conference. They want it free, frequently throughout the year. We do the blogs on our website, but once again, that takes up time. So we have Andy put in this converter, which converts all of our blog posts to sort of uh, podcast. So people can hear it once again while they're driving or doing the laundry or cooking supper or, or whatever. Right. So we're getting more and more uh, into that. And um, we also started a private community for the Chanticleerians. Uh, that is a lockdown community um, because of all the issues that's going on with Facebook right now. And um, yeah, it's just always changing. Yeah, for sure. I know one thing that's always at the front of mind for most authors is reviews. So I'm wondering if you could uh, tell us, you know, what are some of the biggest mistakes that authors make or maybe misconceptions that they have about reviews? Well, there are four types of reviews. Now you're on, now you're on my subject here. <laughs> we have our editorial reviews. Uh, we have manuscript overviews, which are very important that most uh, self published authors, indie authors are not familiar with. Uh, there are peer reviews, and then there are consumer reviews. And you need all four if you're going to make it. And I can break those four down for you if you'd like. Yeah, yes, please. All right. Okay, consumer reviews are, say, let's just talk, just use this as Amazon. Okay, so because okay. that's where most of the sales come from. Uh, they're the ones that you need to get like a hundred reviews. Uh, the people buying it verified purchases that and they leave, they have to leave like 25 words or something. And with that, uh, you you need to have that on Amazon. You need to figure out how to have that. So you, I'm kind of working backwards here. Uh, it doesn't matter how many, whether they're one stars or five stars, they're looking for interaction. Okay. okay, so uh, so now one way that you can uh, get more of those precious consumer reviews are to have editorial reviews. And that's that section at the top that says editorial reviews right under your book description. Right. And the uh, publisher, and if you're the indie, that would be you if you're with another pub, it's the publisher who puts up that information. And Amazon, from what we can tell, because you never know, because uh, they're very secretive, is that they crawl that editorial reviews section. And if you have discrete editorial reviews from different companies, different uh, um, resources, then that gives you more, I just call it Amazon love. And, and that kind of kicks you up in their... Um, uh, search engine algorithm. So they do that. But also the other very big important thing and the reason why all the traditional publishers want 
those editorial reviews and they start working on them. Basically, as soon as you get your manuscript finished and it's not even edited, they start sending them out is because that starts uh, giving the tone to the book. It starts giving the tone to the book buzz, to uh, the consumer reviews. It gives the consumers uh, vocabulary in which to talk about the book. And the, the words, because not everybody you know, majored in literature, so they need to know, you know, that, oh, this is why I like this book. Uh, this is, I like this character because of this, or he's an anti-hero. Oh, that's what I, you know, and so it gives consumers that vocabulary to talk about. Um, so editorial reviews are very important and, and they have to come early in the game and before you publish the book. You have to get them before. You need them for your, your back covers. You need them to upload when you get your uh, your ISBN with all your Bowker information. It comes like all of our book reviews because we started this as a more of a tech company. All of them come with metadata and uh, SEO and tagging. And that was like 10 years ago before all of this was, you know, these were buzzwords in the industry. So all that's just built in with each review. And then we uh, connect them throughout, link them throughout other places. Got so it. you have that going on, mm -hmm. but you need to have that review done before you, you, before you upload your book to Amazon. <laughs> um, so that has to come really early on. Uh, then you have your peer reviews and that's where say you're going to a conference and uh, you finally catch a, 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 an author like J.D. Barker's attention, who's very successful, and he talks to you or whatever, and like, oh, okay, I'll give your book a look, and you get a quote from him to put on your a book tour. That is that is awesome, right? That's right. just you can't you can't pay for that. Um, and so those peer reviews like that, and you have to, you know, sometimes you can't go quite up the food chain to some, uh, you know, superstar like JD, but you have to start building that up and go to maybe a, a local uh, author who is very well known in your, in your community, and then just keep expanding and, and, and pushing that envelope uh, right. to get the peer peer reviews. So those are the four main ones. Uh, oh, I didn't touch on manuscript reviews. And if you're going to do anything uh, with editing, if you're going to edit your book, if this is what traditional publishing houses do, if you were, if you had an agent, it's sort of the chicken or the egg thing. If you had an agent or if you were working with a, a big publishing house, one of the big five or big even the top 10, the, uh, the acquisitions editor would expect this. As soon as you write your manuscript and you have a beginning, a middle and an end, and you feel like, you know it needs editing, but you feel like you've got a story, they want it. That your, your agent will say, send it to me. Don't even touch it, let me look at it. Your acquisitions editor, if you were signed on with a publishing house, was like, okay, just send it on to me. Don't mess with it, just send it on. And then they read it over and they'll pick out the weak spots, the strong spots. If you have three books in there instead of one book in there, just all those big stroke questions. Right. And I see so many authors go and get their 
books like copy edit it without doing the big stuff first, which is the manuscript overview. And then, and, and then, and then proceeding through the editorial process. So they get ahead of themselves because they're so eager to publish. And, that, uh, and every client we have that has used the manuscript overview service says they will never ever write or publish, will never publish another book without going through that. Because it saves them money, it saves them time, it gives honest feedback that they really want uh, to have and that it's so hard for the author to see it within your author mind when you're writing that book because you're living in that world that you've created. And it's hard for someone from the outside sometimes to, to see, and it helps to help. It helps to have someone help you connect those dots, build those bridges and make those transitions. So manuscript overview. So I'll just list those again. There's uh, editorial reviews, manuscript overviews, peer reviews, and consumer reviews. Excellent. Thank you. That was very informative. Uh, given the fact that uh, you've been in this industry for a long time now, I was thinking maybe we could kind of wrap up our conversation and I could ask you what you think about the industry. Where's the publishing industry headed? What's in our future? I think there's no better time ever to be an author right now. And that's from my own experience. I kind of went at first like, yeah, I'm going to write my novel and I'm going to be successful. And then I'm like, well, maybe I need to know more. Then I got into it. And I'm like, oh my God, who, who am I kidding? You know? <laughs> There's like 2 million new titles being published every year in the English language. And it's like, how are you going to even, how does that even work? You know, yeah. how do you get above the fray and the noise? Well, then that's where we come in, Chanticleer, we try to help vet books and try to help the best books rise to the top. But also with all the tools that are out there now that authors can use. And if you're diligent and persistent and innovative and prepared and work hard and diligent and all that, you, you do have a chance. Uh, and, and if you do, and if you keep learning and perfecting your writing craft. And I know uh, with the interview we have with J.D. Barker, he's like, I did not become an overnight success. <laughs> I sat there and you know, worked and, and wrote all these articles and interviewed people and, you know, and, and ghost did a lot of ghost writing, you know, and then I have a book hit big and it's overnight success. Well, all those years of preparation went into that. So authors need to continue to uh, refine their craft. All right. So there we have it. Kiefer Brown, uh, fun and interesting interview. I, I was really thinking about her uh, talking about sort of the focus on technology and how uh, it you really don't have a choice anymore. Like the, the publishing industry is more than just about writing. So in the time that you've been doing this, how have you sort of adapted to new technology or, or did you already have sort of those tech chops when you came into publishing? I mean, I've always been a fan of IT, so I, I've always kind of bought the, like the, the latest shiny new toy. Um, that being said, I, I think you know the virus is almost like a war. Like in wartime, certain things you know just get escalated. Um, you know, like Velcro gets created when you have to go to space. In wartime, you know, this gets created. Like the the virus has forced a lot of technologies to to expand and and become mainstream a lot faster than they probably would have without the virus. 
Um, you know, that being said, like last week, I used that D10 um, monitor for, for our, our talk. Um, and it, it's a great tool, but, you know, like the audio quality wasn't quite there. Like I, I went back and listened right. to it. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound anywhere near as good as my Shure mic, which it shouldn't because the Shure mic cost, I think, twice as much as the monitor probably exactly. does. Um, you know, but like I can see that kind of thing improving. Um, what I think is going to probably happen, in all honesty, because I just did the Chanticleer writing conference again, but it, it was all virtual this year. I think it's going to be a similar event to, um, I, I believe you guys did this, right, where you you did part virtual, or part virtual and part in person. Um, if you didn't, I, I know a lot of the conferences that I've attended so far this year have been like that. They have, you know, some attendees that actually show up in person, um, but there's, you know, a computer monitor off in the side of the room now where, where other people are also participating and they're kind of combining them. And I think that might actually become the norm when, when the dust settles on all this stuff. Yeah, this was another pre-pandemic interview recording, but I, I think, you know, she talked a lot about the importance of the live events and uh, and now sort of the perspective we have, I think you're right. Like, I think it's, we're, we're in a place now where not just Chanticleer's event, but, but, uh, you know, all, all of the people who put on events are going to have to think through the logistics of that. And whether it's, uh, attendees coming in virtually or speakers coming in virtually, um, I think all of those have to be on the table now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know ITW has, has always offered recordings of, of their, their various panels that you can, I, I don't know if you have to buy them or if, if they're free or if you can download them, but they, they've always done that. Um, so I could see that being a, a, a staple. Uh, uh, nothing's going to ever replace though, the, the in-person thing. I mean, because it, it, there's just something about being ac actually at the conference, you know, where you can grab the speaker at the end, you know, when everybody's walking out the door and you can ask them a couple of questions that you may not have wanted to ask in front of everybody. Um, or, you know, at, at the bar, you know, like it's, it's the one place where it, business always seems to happen. Um, you know, there's obviously no virtual bar. Well, there, there is, but you know, I've, <laughs> I've actually attended a couple conferences where they try to do a cocktail reception on Zoom, um, and it just doesn't work because I can't get drunk in 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see where all that goes. But um, I, I can see us coming out of this on, on the other side with some kind of mix of what we used to have and, and what's going, you know, currently happening now. Yeah, nice. So if you guys are interested, make sure you check the link in the show notes. Chanticleer is a review service too. So if you're if you're looking for ways of uh, increasing your your metadata and uh, and your attractiveness to the algorithm with reviews, uh, de definitely an important uh, component of any publishing arsenal. Yes, sir. Well, uh, I'm I'm a bit excited for next week. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying not to fanboy here, but. Uh, I don't know if you glance at the schedule. Do you know who we have up next week? Uh, it's been such a crazy week for me. No, I, I didn't even get a chance to look. That's all right, because I, I, I knew. Uh, we are proud to present Seth Godin next week. Oh, okay. uh, Seth Godin is, uh, has got a new book coming out, uh, I think November 1st or n November 2nd, something like that, called The Practice. It is, uh, Seth is just one of those guys I've, I've been following for years and years and years. He's... Uh, He's one of the, he's, uh, he writes mostly non, well, I'd say exclusively nonfiction. I don't think he writes any fiction, but uh, just highly influential, artistic, articulate. And um, I'm just really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, he's had his blog, he's done his blog every day for something like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years, something like that. Wow. Uh, and, and I've been reading it every day since. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Well, I can't wait. Cool, man. Well, uh, to our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers, Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.